Welcome back to Jokerman Podcast. Perfect night in, uh, in well, three different places. In Manch Vegas. In perfect night in Manch Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't live in Manch Vegas actually anymore. I live uh, in Massachusetts where I grew up. And, um, and I, just north of a, of a world-class city that has been uh, I knew, I knew, I knew there was going to be yeah. some bones to make. Listen, you know, it's how it goes for us basketball fans here. I don't think you'd want a Lakers fan enjoying and, and singing the praises of Boston, home of Larry Bird. And I wouldn't expect a Bostonite to be singing the praises of old Southern California either. It's just, it's in our, we're cats, we're cats and dogs here. Old Southern California, the old South. That's right. The voices you're hearing, listener, if you're just tuning in uh, for the first time ever, it's I, I'm Evan. You picked the wrong episode. <laughs> yeah, you might have picked the the right one. Uh, it's uh, it's Evan here and Ian. I'm in California. I'm in Malibu right I'm now. I'm in uh, Northern California, as always, and we're joined once again by world's greatest songwriter Matt Farley. Welcome back to the program, Matt. Thank you. It's a huge honor. Um, I'm, I'm a, I spend a lot of spend a lot of hard earned cash every month on on the two of you. Uh, I'm a subscriber of both Jokerman and. Never-ending stories and no regrets. No regrets. You are a prince. You are you are the man that we are doing it for. You are you are keeping us going. More people should be like you, uh, in various ways. Uh, we could only hope that they they adopt the Moturn uh, method, and the Moturn method includes subscribing to Jokerman podcasts and yeah. Well, you know, podcasts. it includes um, supporting like. Support what's good. Support what's good, you know? And I can't get over how much money we all put in towards corporate art, you know? Uh, we, we, we just hand our money over to corporate art all the time. It's true. Uh, we should hand our money over to homemade art. And then the Jokerman podcast is homemade art. It really is. Wow. Those are too, too kind of you to say. But, I mean, listen, if we're talking about homemade art and a, a homemade artist uh, for the ages, you are... You were the man to uh, to to give all the plaudits to here. You've got some shows come like free. Speaking of handing over money, you're asking people to come to shows for free, right? In fact, yeah. In fact, I'm uh, we're, we're we're toying with the idea of, of making a, a concert poster where it says tickets negative five dollars. <laughs> you will pay them, giving them five dollars. Yeah. It, wow. Tickets are negative five, so if you, <laughs> but you have to stay from start to finish. So if you're there from the very beginning to the very end of the show, I will hand you a crisp five dollar bill on your way out. A crisp, <laughs> honest Abe on your way out the door. <laughs> you know, luckily I earn enough money um, from songs on Spotify and Amazon. And whatnot that I can afford to rent out a little venue every once in a while and put on a show for free. 
So yeah, if you're anywhere in New England, um, I'm doing some shows this fall and next year, March in Orlando and uh, May in Binghamton, New York. But enough about me. Let's talk about the best Lou Reed album. What? Yeah. Well, which one that is it, that? The, the one that is well known by everyone as the best Lou Reed album. Of course, we're talking about Perfect Night in London from 1998, uh, a live album, another Lou live album. Uh, I'm glad that we're coming back to the live albums at this point on uh, a very different type of live album than we saw last saw from uh, Mr. Lewis Allen Reed. Matt, you've, you've had this circled on your calendar. We've had you circled on our calendar for this. Like two years. Since we started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like since before we started the Lou Reed stuff. Uh, can you, and this is because you are so uh, uh, attracted and, uh, and uh, inspired by this record, apparently, can you, can you tell us what, what it is about Perfect Night in London that really rings your bell? Well, here's the thing about uh, any work of art. Um, your experience of a work of art is is a very personal one, and and when in your life you hear it is is plays a huge impact on how important it is to you and how good you think it is. You know, hence why so many of our favorite artists are, you know, people we heard when we were fourteen or or eighteen or something. You know, in, at an impressionable age when when things are pretty uh, heightened and, and intensified. And um, for me. This particular album, I I went to college in Rhode Island, Providence College. I worked at the um, the security department all four years I was there. I, I answered phones in the security office, and and then I would radio out to the 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 security guards and be like, monitoring uh, the goings on. Someone needs a door unlocked at Davis Hall, and they'd say, Roger. One of the security guards was Mike Russo, the great Mike Russo, who it turns out was as big a music fan as I was. And he'd just come into the office and we'd chat. He'd explain to me how Tattoo U was the best Rolling Stones album. Wow. And he's got a point. That's all I'm saying. He's got a Joker point. Mindset That's an early, of... early example of Joker and Mindset. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Worried About You is, is a remarkable song. I mean... Uh, TNA. Is that on, a, on Tattoo You? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One of their... Uh, one of their songs. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> and he would give me CDs, let me borrow them, or or I'd tape them, you know, with my uh, the tape deck connected to the CD player. And one of the CDs he gave me was was this one, Perfect Night in London Live. Wow. And I I played the the heck out of it until it was time to return it to him. And then shortly after returning it to him, I went to Tom's Tracks on Thayer Street near Brown University, where all the hoity-toity Brown Ivy League kids were. We'd have to cross through the the worst parts of town to get there. But I would do that to buy buy records and CDs. And I bought Perfect Night in London, and I just kept playing it. And my, my roommate, who has no, doesn't even like music or anything, He'd just be all the time. He'd be like, "Crack it open, crack it That's open, right. crack that motherfucker open." <laughs> and we we're just like overwhelmed by with 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 love for this album. And I mean, of all the albums for for some nineteen twenty year olds to be playing in their dorm room in nineteen ninety eight, it was uh, it was this. And um, this and is so a great it pick. just to- totally brings me back to that. And just I mean, it's it's for me, it's just the energy of the the performance and. And in the same way that Shot of Love is great, there's just something like almost 
unintentionally funny about it too, which I also appreciate. Absolutely. <laughs> so you were listening to this record like at the time, like when it came out, like as it as it was released in '98. Yeah, I, you know, and it just because good old Mike Russo was like, "Hey, Matt, check this one out." Shout out to Mike Russo. Hope you're out there, Mike. R.I.P. R.I.P. Oh. R.I.P. May May he rest in power. Yeah. I looked him. I actually looked him up in preparation for this show, and found out the news. It was it happened ten years ago, but uh, he he oh, was geez, he was something I'm else. So- yeah, I know. This wow, I'm sorry to hear that. So this one goes out to Mike Russo and all the kids at PS One Ninety Two. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, it's perfect night in London. Uh, Lou's back to recording a live album. He's recording this in London. Uh, it's actually two nights in London, from what I understand. Uh, some some tracks from each of two separate nights, and it's sort of a stripped down kind of uh, back to basics approach for the man. I was reading the All Music review of this, another you know uh, example of failing terrible journalism, music journalism, and they they claim that this was part of the like uh, MTV Unplugged kind of thing in the '90s, which I can kind of see where you're coming from, especially if you're writing it writing about it at the time. But if you think about a lot of the MTV Unplugged stuff and compare it to this, like this is this is still rock music. Like this is like it is electrified and it is a band up there, you know, kind of kicking ass. And they're not. I mean, the, the song selection is not um, is not MTV unplugged. Not know? unplugged at all. Exactly. <laughs> when I think of an MTV unplugged, I think of like uh, an ingratiating set list that the crowd's going to love. Not they're taking the children away. Not yeah. <laughs> sex with your parents. Riptide sex, sex with your parents. I exactly. only have the Dylan one uh, in in my actual memory, and so and even and that one has like. Uh, well, yeah. Think about the Bob one. It's it's like a ton of. It's not like Rolling Stone only necessarily. Kind it's of a stuff, little deeper. Like, I mean, he plays like uh, shooting star stuff for the most part. He plays shooting star and he plays dignity. Those are like and the dignity. two kind of left field ones. But other than that, it's like it's Tombstone Blues. It's Watchtower. Yeah, but here we got talking book. Into the, book and into the divine. Uh, yeah, it's you know those songs. We do now. Are we gonna go song by song? Oh, we sure are. Uh, we absolutely. I've got a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just start. Let's might, might as well. Right? Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect night. Perfect time for us to talk. Perfect night. Definitive version. Cards on the table. Definitive version of "I'll Be Your Mirror." Right there. I'll be, be your mirror. mirror. Wow. Get out of here, Nico. Just coming out of coming out of the gate with the heavy hitters. I love a Matt Farley episode because he's just dropping bombs from <laughs> from the get go. <laughs> I, re- I honestly, I mean, I don't like I don't like the sound of Nico's voice, um, and so it, it doesn't do it for me. While, while I'm while I'm saying controversial things. Every Velvet Underground album got better, okay? So that's the order of, of best to worst albums is the last wow. one. In, in, in Loaded backwards. the best. Or squeezed the best. No, no, saying. no. no <laughs> I'll take Head Held High over uh, any song on the first album. Wow. But let's talk about I'll Be Your Mirror. I mean, just, just beautiful. And like, oh, imagine yeah. being in that audience. You know, just like... Oh wow! And great, great. Assuming this is the order that he played him in, uh, do we know otherwise? Uh, we don't know for certain. I'll try to. I'll try to pull that up here in the background. But I think we can operate under that assumption for the time being. Great way to start. I, I think that you're right about uh, this being uh, the definitive version in some way. I mean, it is Lou Reed singing this song, and that is, I, in my mind, also I think definitive. It's. A song that he didn't sing on the record um, as people knew it, but it's also like the one of the most uh, stirring, tender, 
hearted songs he ever wrote, if not the most. And in a period after Set the Twilight Reeling, it's making a statement that he's ready to perform this song in earnest. Uh, It seems like he's gotten over something or embraced a part of him that allows him to sit down and play a delicate, straightforward rendition of this song. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Be your mirror, reflect what you are. Kate, you don't know, I'll be the wind, the rain and the sunset, the light on your door. Show that you're home when you think the night has seen your mind. Bend aside your twisted and unkind. Let me stand to show. That you are blind Please put down your hand Cause I see you great vocals and just uh the arrangement too i mean it's is it just him and acoustic the whole whole song or does the little drums come in i can't even remember he's he's got some drums there um and i think it might be two two guitars it's a pretty tight it's just a four-person band it's lou it's uh fernando it's mike rathke on the guitar and it's tony thundersmith on the drums and lou is calling out their names like every other song <laughs> it's, that's so, one of the I, I best parts that. of this record I it's so that. good let it go let it go hey, Mike. Tony, <laughs> let me hear that you, let me know that you're there big guy go fernando yeah. instead of early roman king maybe we could hand out the coney island baby at some point oh yeah wow that's a great idea this is a man after our own heart yeah who's right playing <laughs> football for the coach the best on this <laughs> yeah Who's the straightest man that Lou Reed ever knew in in this band? To quote him in Coney Island, maybe. Um, yes, it does look like uh, this was the first track uh, included at the actual show. Um, goosebumps! I get. I would have yeah. goosebumps in the audience. It's amazing, and and that's sort of my thoughts on this record in general. I'm I'm really glad that he took the time at this moment to like return to his catalog, which at this point is enormous and extraordinarily varied and obviously very high quality from beginning to end, but approach it with a degree of sincerity and seriousness that he hadn't really, at least on the live records, hadn't really ever done. Like, obviously, Take No Prisoners was... Take no prisoners. The previous earlier live records were kind of just like thrown together to sell to sell albums. And live in Italy is great, but it's really kind of like a it, that's almost like the before the flood of the Lou Reed live albums. It's just like rock and roll, you know, shock jock kind of material. And this is a really stately, measured, like easygoing performance and iteration of all this material that really deserves it. And it's another. Gives it another, you know, uh, dimension, I think, that you might be lacking from the other Lou Reed live albums. Yeah, I like, and I like the small, tight band, and I, and correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe you don't know this, but I think in the liner notes, he's, he talks about the guitar, that yes. it was like a magical guitar for him. Sounds that, like a diamond, he, he said. 
he had hooked up his guitar to some fucking box or, or through some amp or something, I forget exactly what it was, but that gave it the sound of diamonds sparkling, and that was what he was so excited about this. I'll be your mirror. I'll be your mirror. I'll be your mirror. I'll be your mirror. Reflect what you are. Reflect what you are. Reflect what you are. Reflect what you are. So should we move on to Perfect Day? I mean, basically, I have the same review of Perfect Day that I do of I'll Be Your Mirror. It's just like, oh, this is uh, this <laughs> Definitive is great. version. The definitive version. I, 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 I'm filled with goosebumps listening to it as a recording. I can only imagine what it was like in the audience. Evan, your thoughts? I think that you're right. I, I think that this version is uh, like the version of I'll Be Your Mirror, refreshing to hear and I think it sets up like what distinguishes this uh, album from the rest of his live albums. It is the closest thing to like an unplugged set uh, in that it really does have this very slow, quiet beginning that kind of asks you to lean in and listen to him, which is not what people expect from Lou Reed. They expect him to like kick the door down uh, with Sweet Jane. And this is really yeah. marking a different period. It's also why it's an extra funny album for you to be playing like at full volume in your dorm room. Well, I mean, I wasn't your average college student. No, of, co- of course not. Nor are you uh, your, your average uh, post-college uh, non-student either. <laughs> it's it's, it's a unique American original, Matt Farley. No question about that. That's why I keep trying to tell people. Uh, I've got, I believe I've got some of the language from the liner notes here. It's pretty low res, so I might flub a word or two here. But uh, Lou's quoted as saying, I discovered that I could plug straight into one of my amps and that the sound I wanted to hear amplified purity. What's really funny about it was that the guy who built the amp said he was inspired by one of my records. I think it was Magic and Loss and that that sound. Uh, Also, I'd gotten this incredible acoustic guitar and I still remember in the old apartment... Plugging it in, what an astonishing sound, and I thought, I want everything to sound like this. Why, it's such a perfect day. I'm glad to spend it with you. Such a perfect day. You just keep me hanging on. You just keep me hanging on. Going to read just what you sow. You're going to read on just what you sow. You're going to read just what you sow. 
a perfect day Or such a perfect day Such a perfect day That is awesome Yeah And like you know he, you know, I, I don't know I'm not a Lou expert by any means um, Compared to you guys or, or compared to my Dylan knowledge But just like uh I, I like this sound. I like this energy that he's he's given all the way through, and I like the fact that after those these two tender and sweet songs, um, he's it's almost as if he's like, all right, I gotta maintain my my cred here. Yeah, street cred. <laughs> Let's sing the kids. Third track here, we have one of the most difficult uh, lyrically and uh, cons- uh, thematically of his whole career. And it's a ballad about a, a, a drug addict mother having her children taken away. Imagine if you're in the audience, you're like, "Oh, is he gonna? Is he gonna do the crying sounds? Is he gonna? Is someone? Are they? Do they have oh, recordings of, of weeping children that they're gonna that they're gonna start playing? Uh, just hit an effects pedal, and that that comes through the wah wah pedal. <laughs> oh man, yeah, literally the wah wah pedal. Yeah. Um, it uh, yeah, I, I think that th- these three songs to start the record, which do appear to be the first three uh, songs from the actual show, are pretty indicative of what you're going to get here. It's like you're going to get some. There is some some candy here, insofar as any of this is candy, like easy to digest or you know enjoyable stuff for your average person in the audience. I'll be your mirror in perfect day. Like that's a pretty strong one-two punch to start off. But then just like as soon as you're getting settled, it's a real just like fucking uppercut to the jaw with the kids. Um, and, uh, and that pattern kind of continues on through the rest of this record. I think there, there's going to be, he's going to throw you a couple bones here and there. Maybe he knew that he was recording these shows for live albums at the time. And so the record label like wanted some recognizable material, but for every vicious you get, there's going to be an original rapper, uh, not to, not, not to get, uh, get ahead of ourselves here, but it's a real up and down kind of roller coaster affair. And that's what I love so much about it is like. It's um, just when you start to get settled and you think, oh, this is just a Lou Reed's greatest hits kind of set. He, you know, he, he, he pulls a fast one by you. When he says, I'm the water boy. And this song. What is that? Yes. What's that? What does that mean? Good question. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I for, it's been so long since we talked about Berlin. Too. We're gonna we're coming back to Berlin before too long with That's all right. of the late career uh, Berlin shit that he did. This is this almost kind of seems like a dry run for all of the like Saint Anne's Berlin stuff that he does like a, a decade after. And this. the Raven uh, has uh, the bed on it. Um, mm-hmm. There's yeah, there is a whole rediscovery of that. And I I just I'll keep saying it. I, mean, I guess, but it it really is I think um, an important album in like figuring out where. In not figuring out, but in in tracking his development uh, into the late period of his career, and seeing how he transitions in a way that feels like for him it's dignified and uh, feels natural. This is the opposite of uh, that thing that we so often talk about in the eighties and, and often the nineties uh, when an artist is who's really popular before is kind of flailing or finding their footing 
I think his, it's pretty clear that his approach here is like naturalistic. Like I can't go wrong if I'm direct and naturalistic with the way this stuff is performed. And uh, it was a very good bet because like it might not be the most flashy, but it it feels very honest. Every every song on here and the way it's presented sure. feels very straightforward. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. And it, it's not like. Uh... It's it's not paint by numbers like a cynical oh we need to put out an album uh, let's no. put out a live album it's like no this is essential yeah absolutely it's like what am I doing right now what does it sound like if I do these songs right now. what this band is doing i mean just four guys they sound amazing god what 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 a intense sound i'm i gotta hold it in but i've i definitely know who my coney Coney island baby is (laughs) (laughs) uh um yeah it uh he's treating a lot of this material with the the uh, a degree of um reverence and like sincerity that it deserves you know a a lot of this early shit that's on this record came from a time in his career where he was kind of just like he wasn't taking things totally seriously, you know? He was putting out records really fast and unhappy with the way the albums came out of the studios and, like, obviously was kind of zonked for most of the 70s when these songs were even being written in the first place. But the way that he, like, returns to Perfect Day or Vicious, uh, two tracks, two of the biggest tracks from Transformer, which obviously David Bowie produced, you know, way more of a, you know, glammy, hotshot, hi-fi kind of album than Lou might have intended himself. Like the him coming back to those songs and presenting them this way, I think is illustrating the bones, you know, the strength, the fundamental strength of those songs that goes beyond just the way they were produced and presented, which, you know, on Transformer is amazing and signature and one of the great records, you know, in general. But um, like, like I said, was not what he was after himself at that time on his own. And so uh, it's, um, it's, it's important, I think, that he like do justice to his own material, even if it's 20 years after the fact. Yeah. Uh, 20, 25 years after the fact. Really. You remember that, um, um, that little clip of him? I, it was in some documentary where he's reciting the words, the lyrics to Andy's chest. And it's like, he's having this very emotional moment with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like, um, like yeah he's able to kind of do that with songs that when you look at the set list you're like huh like that that one spoke to him i guess like uh, that one stuck out or like it's it's interesting to see which ones make the cut for vicious here um i don't know if you caught this but 
the uh the actual music of it um the arrangement it sounds very much to me like a prototype of paranoia key of e from ecstasy I think that it's basically this arrangement sort of like something that happens with Dylan all the time where like he'll he'll do one song in one way and then another song kind of sticks in in that uh mold for longer it has like a whole other life but he's kind of like testing out these different uh outfits on his songs yeah, interestingly, he was, it's not on the record, but from this show, right, the, the, this show was 23 songs long, it looks like, according to Setless FM, and he was, he at least played Future Farmers of America uh, at this show, like two years, three years before Ecstasy even came out, so I, I would totally buy that, that he, you know, had kind of, even if he hadn't figured out what that song really was at this point, like, if he had decided, like, this is the arrangement that I'm going to work with there, and then I'm going to work backwards and turn it into Vicious at this point, because those songs were on his mind. He was in the, po- the process of putting those together at this time. It's always interesting, like, what goes into making a set list, you know? Don't you want to be a fly on the wall? Is it just, he's just jotting something down 10 minutes before for the show, or is he thinking about it for a long time? And then, and then, yeah. what from that show ends up on the on the the live album? That's interesting. How sure. much longer the actual performance was? Yeah, it was like this is like only half of the performance on this uh, record. What goes into a uh, Moturn uh, extravaganza set list? The 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 thought process there. Um, it just what can I get away with without totally losing the crowd? Is basically, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like I got to reel them in every once in a while, and it's it's amazing. Um, the more I do live shows, just how much uh, a poop song really just makes everyone so happy and just gets everyone revved up. <laughs> I like, and so they're so polite. They'll let me sing my like two serious, heartfelt songs, but then suddenly the opening notes of "Poop into a Wormhole" happen, and they all wake up and they're like, "Yeah!" And I'm like, "Hey, you know, there are worse fates in life than this, I suppose." And then you go into the kids, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking her children away Because they said She's not a good mother They're taking her children away Uh. So yeah, so I'd say uh, let's. I want to still Despite what the truth is I I like to look at this album like This is a show, you know And it's like boom, 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 Mm kind of like you're easing in with your little kind of like relaxed three openers and then just vicious is, is, you know, living up to its name. And I mean, that's some hot playing right here all the way around. Hey, Tony. Fantastic. Let me know they're a big guy, you know? Sheesh. Hey, Tony. Let me know that you're that big guy. Y'all must think I'm some kind of gay Why don't you swallow razor blade? Cause you're so vicious When I see you coming, honey, I just gotta run 
wish you you ain't the kind of person I really wanna be the vocal the vocal uh, stuff that he's doing, you know, did it, did it, you know, like all that stuff. He's in, he's in real great spirits here. That, that's delightful. Mangle your feet. <laughs> he's having a good time up there, you know. It's, uh, it's uh, this, this record looks serious, right? It's this very like moody kind of covers, real close up. You don't even see his entire face, just black and white kind of thing. And very you know, grungy like text. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, you know, seems like a really serious kind of production, self-serious production, but. If you listen to it, like he's clearly he's having a ball up there he, with with uh, his crew behind him and all of these little vocal ticks and stuff. He's smiling it's on like, the cover. It, I mean, it's hard to sort of. It's like black uh, and white, and it, it has a kind of. It's not a toothy grin. No, but he, he's got a little <laughs> bit of a, a, a spark in the eye. It looks like he uh, might be thinking about smiling sometime soon. <laughs> yes, might, might be considering it. It's not a frown. It, it's three percent closer to smile than it is to completely even. So that's that's yes. all I'll give you. <laughs> but for Lou Reed, that's like you know, wow, pretty good look at that Reed. smile. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so then what I love about Busload of Faith, and I I know oh. obviously it's not from this album, but just the song itself, there's just something. Something so clunky about that phrase, you know? Yeah, yeah. Bus and, uh, <laughs> You never think about that in terms of uh, anything in terms of bus loads. Yeah. Nobody says you got, that. You got a and teaspoon, you, you got a yourself... tablespoon, you got a cup, and then you got a bus load. <laughs> and it's so crazy that you're... I don't you even think bus drivers call it You don't know the song, you're like, bus load of faith. Like, uh, you know, and then by the end of it, you're like, yeah, you're right. Don't you're... take a busload of faith, and like, uh, and and it's reminiscent of um of sh- of shot of love stuff. Like the phrase yeah, you need shot a shot of, of love, love. That's not a thing. That I don't think anyone used. Like no one ever said I need a shot of love before 1981. And likewise, I think no one said I need a busload of faith before 1989. And no one said it ever again either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. You can't depend on your family You can't depend on your friend You can't depend on no beginning You can't depend on no end You can't depend on intelligence Baby, you can't depend on any God You can depend on only one thing, honey these are phrases that are with us now. These, these are these are some of the most fundamental metaphors that we live with on a day-to-day basis. I'm gonna start trying to work them in. Yeah, I'm always talking about the shots of love that I'm taking. To have it appear in in a live context at the concert, it's like, oh yeah, I guess that thing doesn't just exist on the record. You might encounter a busload of faith if you just see Lou Reed play. He might bring out that idea again and then you're and then you're thinking about it need a busload of faith to get by it's amazing what art can do you know sure <laughs> uh i love the way the drums sound on uh, really on this entire record but on this on this song in particular there's a moment where he just goes fuck it like hit it tony and then he just it's the driest yes <laughs> like most in your face kind of drum sound it's it's kind of like you're in 
Guitar Center. Yes. I'm telling you, man, there was a ma- there was just a moment of magic. Uh, this magic moment, you could say, of just like the way music sounded and was like recorded and tracked, whether it was in a studio or on stage from like 1994 to 1998, that like it's it's kind of grotesque and gives you the shivers sometimes, but for my money, it's like it's as satisfying as any other sound that I've ever heard. Let me uh, let me just make a little commercial for uh, new radicals. Maybe you've been brainwashed too. Shockingly fantastic album from an overlooked one-hit wonder. Uh, yeah, I, I know people. Maybe I'm just thinking about you, but who, who love that record? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have tweeted about it, but yeah, it's it's a superb uh, album with incredible melodies and. Uh, an over-the-top production, but uh, it's okay. It, it gets away with it. Uh, kicks. Oh, what album is that from? What what what's the original? Coney Island baby. baby, baby. This is the one. This is the fucking star of the show, right there in the middle. Kick, 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 kick. Now better than sex. Now, yeah. You just said it like. To, uh, <laughs> you just said that like like the electric slide or. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, Two hops this time. Way better than getting laid. It was the final thing to do. Get somebody to c- c- come on to you, then you get somebody to come on to you, and then, then you kill them now, now. Oh, you kill them now, now. Hey, man, what's your style? like how it ends with him just one more time kicks you know just he squeezes one more in there oh good song it's so high energy so, good stuff i love kicks this is one of my favorite loose songs in uh just of all of them and like where we last where I, like the last kicks i remember really talking about was remember the don cherry one that we talked about with tyler oh, that crazy Roxy? one yeah yeah where they go psycho mode and and cherry's just like tooting on the horn and it's just like as intense as anything ever this is the opposite of that like this is laid back like chilled out like like a slow burn but it's still there's still you can feel there's a fire beneath this song as as like quiet and cool and calm and collected as as it's put across like that fury is still it's burning just beneath the surface i love kicks oh i love the way you drive your car now oh it's beautiful it's beautiful it's poetry 30 miles an hour yeah (laughs) he's uh he's he's just getting a kick out of i think saying these words and um if you're on on his level you're you're going to get a kick out of hearing them kicks This is such a weird, and so by this point, and this actually, so these first six songs, this is the order of the of the show, actually. Um, so this is so far, we're we're totally straight through the set list. Uh, we're about to we're about to deviate after this song, but so far, this is these six songs are the ones that the audience heard. Uh, this is such a fucking random collection of songs. You go from the from the kids to vicious to busload of faith to kicks. Yeah. At, in 1997, when this record was recorded, is that's that's beautiful. Well, yeah. it's only going to make more sense very quickly. Okay, yeah. What is, ta- like, what is, ta- did he, what, what's going on in the talking book? Did he write the, the, just the music for that one, or do you guys know? I don't know anything about it. 
It's from a play, uh, this one and Into the Divine, and I think actually, um, Why Do You Talk, which we'll get to a little bit later. I think <laughs> all three of these. Why Do You Talk? Oh my why God, I can't is... believe he did Why Do You Talk. Wow. I think they're from some sort of stage performance from For 19... the play Time Rocker from 1996. There you go. Sure. Time Rocker. Uh... <laughs> It's a failed Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> movie. People were just dying. We, we want to hear the Time Rocker songs live. Come on, Lou. Time Rocker. So that's his version of uh, the John Cale and... Um, Bob Newworth. Bob Newworth. Yeah, Last yeah. Day on Earth. Yeah. Exactly. It's his Last Day on Earth. Or, or like Tom Waits's uh, play or musical about... Uh, the Black Rider. The, the, yeah, Black Rider. Like, everybody has one of these, you know. This is his. So I don't even like. What is a talk? Like, uh, what's a talking book? You t- talking you tell book. me. This is this is you're 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 the star of the show here. Matt. Okay, okay. <laughs> what is going? On? I wish I had a talking book. I have no idea what you're talking about, Lou. Let me tell you something about the the play. Uh, just maybe it'll give us all some some context. Let's hear it. So it was performed at uh, BAM Brooklyn Academy of Music. Um, fall 97 boy it really is it really is the fucking other last down earth because that was also bam yeah just throwing money at all this bullshit in the 90s <laughs> well you know the other musical that happened was of course uh, Drilla, songs yeah. for Drilla. this piece of musical theater marked the first collaboration between robert wilson and american rock musician and writer lou reed billed as the third part Okay, build is the third part of a pop opera trilogy that mm-hmm. Wilson created for the Talia Theater. The earlier two pieces being The Black Rider, oh shit, and Alice. Wow. It took its subject from The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, composed in 30 brief scenes and performed mostly in German. <laughs> The songs were sung in English. The opera tells the tale of two lovers in their pursuit across history of a time-traveling doctor with a text by award-winning American author Daryl Pinky, who had previously collaborated with Wilson on The Forest and Orlando, and music and lyrics by Reed. This work premiered at Talia Theater Hamburg June 12th, 1996, and was later presented in the 1997 Next Wave Festival the following year. Wow. I'm also reminded of, uh, of course, Archibald MacLeish and Bob Dylan's fruitless sure. collaboration, yeah. uh, which morning. ended in uh, New Morning. Um, this is something that we'll, we'll, uh, we should probably have a whole mini series on, is just the focusing on times when. This happens, uh, but I guess we're being forced to focus on it pretty directly right now. So, yeah, so Talking Book, obviously I don't know all that context. I didn't know it, and still I don't know the story other than the, the, that interesting synopsis there. But um, the beauty of this song is that you're, you're just like, okay, wish I had a talking book. Okay, okay. And then slowly, by the end of it, you're like, Will our love ever be replaced? Yeah, and you sing yeah. along, and it's like, hey, you You're know with what? It. This isn't the best song of the set, but I'm okay. You won me over, Lou. I wish I had a talking book By my side so I could look And touch and feel and dream a look much bigger than a talking book A taste of loving's future and past Is that so much to really 
just one moment's time and space can our love really be replaced by a talk Even if you did know the play and the context, you would have to speak German to understand why the song is happening. <laughs> Maybe it's a German phrase or something, a talking book that may. But know, they still sung sense. it in English, apparently. Yeah, the songs were in English. So no one in the audience was having a satisfying, like, 100% understanding experience of the play. Like, the German people didn't understand the songs, and the English people. The bilingual didn't Germans. Right, exactly. This episode of Jokerman Podcast is presented by DistroKid. Over a million artists rely on DistroKid to distribute their music and get it into all of the places it needs to go. Your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, your YouTube's, your TikTok's, your Tidal's, your Instagram's, and any other streaming service of note. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy. With unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100%, that's right, 100, all of them, folks, of their royalties and earnings. DistroKid comes with tons of great features, including Mixia, which allows DistroKid users to put the finishing touches on their tracks in just minutes, getting a customizable and polished end result that anyone can feel confident in before sharing it with the world. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. So go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. I'd like to, um, a little ad for Alice, Tom Waits' Alice album. Superb, superb It album. is great. I was just really at good. Counterpoint Records uh, and Books, great store, friend of the podcast store, uh, and they have this little basket of matchbooks that on one side it's Tom Waits' Blood Money, on the other side it's Tom Waits' Alice. Uh, they were released at the same time, and yes. for some reason they just have they have a few of these promotional matchbooks there. So walk, don't run, don't walk. Yeah, I love weird. I love weird promotional stuff. That's cool. Get yourself an Alice matchbook. Matchbook. Um, and I look forward to the eventual Tom Waits season of Jokerman. That that would be a yeah, delight. me too. Oh boy, that would be. I don't know about I you, and I I know it all pretty much. I I am a, a an avowed uh, rookie on on the Tom Tom Waits material. I don't know that I can go. But you're not like a hater though. Not a hater necessarily. I just don't really know much before, like beyond like swordfish trombones. Um, yeah. 
which well, it's, you know, it's good. It's good. There's a lot of good music. I listen, a lot of great I, I, music there. A lot of great music. There should there. be a Jokerman Bone Machine episode. Like it's so our our wheelhouse. I know Bob loves uh, Tom Waits. Tom Waits, uh, a frequent guest on the old Theme Time Radio Hour. So anyone, well, anyone well, who was there, he almost uh, did a cover album. Remember? That's we were, right. Oh yeah, Larry that. mentioned that at the show. Yeah, Larry Charles mentioned uh, in the Q and A for Masked and Anonymous, which we did recently, that Bob was considering doing a Tom Waits cover album, circa like nineteen ninety five. Yeah, or something like it would have been around the time of like. Uh, of world gone wrong or something? Yeah, like after world gone wrong but before uh time out of mind that makes perfect sense because like world gone wrong looks like he was trying to do tom waits vibes like heavy like yeah. visually i just like to who, point who out knows? that the eagles the eagles did um a tom waits song on one maybe their first album also um the eagles did old 55 yeah oh boy heart of saturday night jonathan richmond Oh, I'm I'm, I'm I'm going on. I'm doing a field report for the Jokerman. I'm doing a Jokerman um, field report. I'm going to see Richmond in concert next month, and I will uh, I'll report back Look to you that. guys. Massachusetts wow. Massachusetts legend uh, Jonathan Richmond uh, and other Massachusetts legend Matt Farley. Yeah, I will that's be huge. in the audience. Yes, he's great. All right, so now Coney Island baby. Well, um, we didn't get to we didn't do into the divine. Oh yeah, the others. Yeah. But we, I mean, what you know? What do you, okay, is that that's also from that play, right? That's also from uh, a Time Rocker, <laughs> and it's also I love. You're that. just like, what do you what are you talking about, Lou? I have no idea what you're talking about, but I I'm, I like I like like the the rhythm of pretty much all the songs. There's like like. Uh, caffeinated rhythm to everything where it just like or uh, everything's a little mm. edgy in in a good way I think of an apple core when you start thinking of God I know I would miss you if you disappeared to the divine Uh, such is the case for in, Into the Divine. Obviously not a, a standout in, on the album, but uh, but I'm okay with it. But the Coney Island Baby, oh my God, let's 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 talk Coney Island Baby. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> G- good song. <laughs> <laughs> one of the greats. I mean, still one of the greats. There's no there's no question. Just like as soon as it kicks in at the beginning, and you hear that that signature little melody from the guitar and then fernando picks up on the bass like uh yeah i'm i'm into it from uh from the top i'm glad that there are songs like coney island baby that like i i came into mm. the whole lou reed project like having it be one of my very favorite lou songs ever of all time and like knowing that it's one of his most well-known songs and you know something from the earlier part of his career and here we are all these many months later and it's still you know it still packs just as much of a punch for me and this live version is so I don't know, there's just something really profound about him revisiting this music decades down the line and still finding so much pathos within it.
know when I was a young man in high school. Wanted to play football for the coach. All the older guys, they said he's mean and he's cruel. But you know, I wanted to play football for the coach. Yeah. You know, it's it's still just as essential to him as a, what is this, 97, right? So he was born in 41. He's, he's 55, 56 years old at this point. Just as essential to him at this point as it was as a 30-year-old man when the record came out. I remember when we were talking about it first, it, it just has this quality of like being wise beyond its years because it's, it's talking about his youth in a way that feels like it's saying a lot more it seems to be about life in general and could have been written by someone with much more experience. So uh, hearing him do it as an older man, is uh, it, it feels even more right in a way. Yeah, and it works up in that great crescendo, too, at the end that, you know, oh. like, it's it's so laid back for most of it, but then it's, it kicks in a little bit, and then by the end, glory, love, glory, you know, and then uh, the dedication gets you every time. So I'm assuming like Sweet Jane is not was not on the full set list either. Is that right? Uh, let's see here. What do we got? Uh, he did actually do. He did a lot more Twilight at this show, which I wish we had some evidence of on this record. There's, there's. He did Hang On to Your Emotions, and he did NYC Man. Uh, you know what? Actually, uh, uh, great call, Matt. Sweet Jane, last song in the set. Dirty Boulevard was right before it, and that's the last sh- last song on this record. But Sweet Jane, he closed with Sweet Jane. He, ga- okay, he gave well, the you folks know, a little was, dose of Sweet Jane. I was going to compliment him on on having like uh, not not doing that, but uh, you know, you got to make the people happy. You got to play um, <laughs> along the Watchtower when we. You got to do... play poop into a wormhole. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It, we got to you got to do uh the sweet jane watch now that's going to be a new Ooh. segment for uh for Lou, Lou live. for all the Lou live ones yeah interesting <laughs> yeah. i'm glad he played it's not it. on i'm glad it's not on this album though too because it's like i i just like how like how he's like picking these songs from from the full career and you know stuff that you're you know stuff from those mid 80s albums too and um mm. oh it's way time I mean, to get to we're getting one. we're getting oh whoa i mean we're there I mean, this right is there. probably Look the highlight of the highlight of the show, right here. Oh my! Highlight of the oh, album. Yeah. yeah. Yes. New sensations. Oh, I, it was exciting hearing you guys discuss it on when you were just what that was. 
is that the name of the album? It's called the album's called New yeah, Sensations, right? That's right. Hearing you guys discuss it, I feel, I feel like for you guys hearing it that time, it was kind of like you were redis- kind of being like, "Oh man, this song is amazing," and um, mm-hmm. and now this live version is that just with with you know fifty percent more intensity and like, oh my god, hundred percent more intensity. He is All right, double wilding out here. I love this new. This is yeah. I mean, this is it, the I, bass. I think it, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Fernando is just all up and down the frets on this. And l- what I love so much about this is that Lou t- Lou takes the the original new sensations, which is this song about like he's at this new stage of life and he's clean and he's getting into tai chi and he's like a committed married man with Sylvia and like his life is going great and he's super psyched and. And he takes the song, that same song at this point in time, uh, 13 years later, and just fucking flips the entire meaning. And you can hear it right in the lyric. You can hear it in the, mir- in the lyrics. He says, I'm not meant to be married, which is the exact antithesis of what the song was about initially. <laughs> he also says, uh, which is my favorite detail, that, you know, in, in the original, he's like, I stopped into a roadside diner for a burger and a Coke. And in this one, he's like, for a beer and a scotch. A beer and a scotch, a scotch and a Coke. A beer and a Coke. A little boiler maker. Oh, my yeah. God. I took the GPZ out for a ride. Engine felt so good between my thighs. It was cool. 40 degrees outside. Road to Pennsylvania by the Delaware Gap. You know, Michael... Sometimes I got lost, had to check the map. Went over to a roadside diner for a scotch and a beer and a coke. Little boilermaker, some country folks, some hunters sitting inside. Somebody got married, somebody they died. Went to the jukebox and I play, I play the hillbilly song. They was arguing about soccer as I went outside. Heading for the mountains, feeling all warm inside. You know, I love my GPZ so much. I could kiss her. Oh, I sensation. I want a new sensation. Oh, baby, a new sensation. Hold on. So, is that the actual truth? Is that he was... <laughs> Got drunk on a boiler maker and then continued to ride his motorcycle. That's the brilliance of it is that he's able to like refresh the meaning of it and completely turn it on its head, but it's still absolutely true to itself. I fucking I love it's just it's brilliant. It's a moment of just transcendence to me. It's kind of like um, Tangle Up in Blue. Yeah, exactly. Something that he can rewrite and to- yeah. Yeah, like I was working, you know, she was working at a topless place, or like I was working as a, a, he he'll change working. Uh, on a fishing Blinding boat light, in Delacroix, right? and he'll say like something else instead of fishing boat or whatever. It's always like a little bit different, like what he's doing. He's even well, mocking um, like the the people on the original song. You know, he, there seems to be this warmth and feeling of like you know fraternity between him and these people in the fucking roadside diner. And in this in this version, he's doing this like hillbilly yodel, a hillbilly song. Uh, yeah, hillbilly. <laughs> it's just like fucking like spitting in their faces. It's it's maybe, maybe I he's get enough just, of this. he's still having. Fun. I don't know if it's uh, malicious, but he has been a little bit. Uh, He's taking the piss. This is better. Also, it's it's, it's interesting that that the um, the 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 Lou with a little more edge is um is I think better than that that studio version. But you know, it's a mid eighties uh, recording, and so what are you gonna do? But um, and then yeah. once again, crescendo. I mean, the, the, the ultimate, just like 
it builds and builds and he's oh. screaming and just like, oh my God. What what a what a moment in the history of music. Way to go, Lou. C- crack her open, crack that motherfucker. Crack her open, crack that motherfucker. Yeah, he's Lower like it down to 105. It takes a while, but he eventually gets at, at least on this song to something like take no prisoners mode. Just takes like being halfway through this version of new sensations for that version of Lou to uh, emerge. I want to go faster, baby. Oh, do do. I want a new sensation Faster baby, a hundred and five Crack it open, crack the motherfucker open Crack her open, crack that motherfucker open I want a hundred, a hundred and five Don't stop me now I says now new, 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 new I said new sensation I want a new sensation now On, on Techno Prisoners, he's like, there are moments of like just pure overwhelming like sound and fury, but he's, you know, it's, he's kind of, he's reeling out there. He's off, you know, uh, off in the wind and here, like he's, he's absolutely, he knows what he's doing and the band behind him knows how to keep up with him. It's, it's a really mature, I think, presentation here as, as like hard and unleashed as he gets on this song. I don't know. Anytime I play this, I'm just I'm I'm floored by it again and again. The way it builds to that fucking just murderous drum pounding by the end. Oh, Tony is Tony's killing it. What is uh your both of your histories with this album? Are, are you is this new for both of you or what? Have you dabbled in it? This is this is a relative new one for me. I like post post magic and loss. Honestly, like going into all of this stuff was was kind of uncharted territory for me. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's it, this is this is one that I'm absolutely catching up on at this point. But I'm I'm thrilled by it, and that's part of what's so rewarding about all of this kind of thing. I think to me at least is like there's still this much to there's this much beautiful stuff to to uncover this late in the game it's like oh man it's it's all essential i've definitely listened to it out of curiosity more than a a couple times over the years i did a real deep dive on on lou in like 2013 or something and listened to everything and was curious about what the live records were for me, like I, I knew all the Velvet Underground albums, and um, and that was it until I, until Mike Russo gave me this, and so I didn't know any, um, <laughs> you know, other than you know, uh, you know, a few of the songs Walk on the Wild on the radio. Side or something. exactly, and so like these songs completely new to me, you know, and the first time I heard the studio version of New Sensation was you guys playing a clip of it on on the episode, you know, wow, however many months ago. And, I kind um, of love that. I love that approach, honestly. Like just knowing the velvet stuff, and then like this is the only, <laughs> and then working backwards into the studio kind of thing. That's that's yeah. I that, I, I still haven't gone deep into the studio stuff, um, but I, I like everything. And John Cale, I I, I knew almost nothing about him. 
Um, well, <laughs> same with a lot of other people. Okay, Buffalo yeah. uh, Buffalo Ballet. Thanks to you guys, I've been. Um, I love Buffalo oh, yeah. Ballet, especially from that live album from like '91 or whatever. Um, fragments, yeah, fragments yep. of a rainy season. Yeah, that's sleeping in the midday sun. Gorgeous, really good. And then um, ski. Ski Patrol. Ski, Ski Patrol. Patrol Ski right. Patrol is very uh, like uh, like a Moe's Haven song. Uh, yes. Oh I feel like God. there could I, be. I sent it. To, I sent it to the other member of Moe's Haven. I was like, "You got to hear Ski Patrol, man! Oh my God, <laughs> you got to hear Ski Patrol!" Like, wow. I, I wish that he had played Ski Patrol when I saw him, uh, John. <laughs> no, Do you think maybe he I should have played it live? Should have screamed out Ski Patrol. I bet he has played it live. Absolutely. Uh, he certainly better have. I can uh, try to dig those stats up. Let's get John on the horn. <laughs> After the highs of, of New Sensation, where to go next? Of course, why do you talk? Oh, why my you talk? God. Back to that ever-flowing well of time, songs from Time Rocker. <laughs> yeah. It's a developing theory. I think I brought it up on the show before, but like, the best albums can't just be the equivalent of a greatest hits. Like, because like a greatest hits is a greatest hits. Like an album is an album, and it's got to be like a journey where it's not just every perfect, wonderful song one after the next. Like you got to have a Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts to to ruin Blood on the Tracks, and in order to in order to make Blood on the Tracks a real, honest work of art, you know, yeah, just, like, casu- just casually dropping fire <laughs> takes in the midst of these explanations of other things. I just, well, I, I he, you're not wrong. Farley way. I mean, yeah, that that song is uh, an outlier. That's I think objectively true. Um, <laughs> and out, it is an outlier. That's and, true. And oh that is something God, about yeah. uh, you know. I saw this take uh, trotted out when someone was uh, talking about. Uh, pet sounds saying that Sloop John B shouldn't be there. That, that Sloop was, John B is like maybe the like most important song on Pet Sounds. Well, it <laughs> is. I mean, that's that's the case for it. Is that while it does uh, stick out like a sore thumb, it's also uh, nece- it is the Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts. And what what I guess we're leading up to is that why do you talk? Is the, <laughs> what are we saying here? Uh. Why do you always talk? Why do you make sounds? Don't you listen? Why do you talk so much? Why don't you listen? Why do you talk so much? Why don't you shut up? Why don't you shut up? Why don't you shut up? Why do you talk so much? I don't know. Why do you talk is like, it reminds me of um, what was it you wanted? Oh, so much. Yes. No, I see oh, that. so sure, yeah. much. Just a bunch of like questions and statements. I love you lack drama. That's I I've been trying to find a way to if I ever I'm in an <laughs> argument drama. with someone, that's that's what I'm going to pull out right there. I'm like you, you have nothing drama. to say. You like drama. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but after like, everyone's got to like come down from new sensations and so it's like, you know, well, it's a qu- pretty quick song. Why do you talk? And uh, you need a bathroom break song. You know, sure, everyone's absolutely. running off to the bathroom at this point. But what a, I mean, I'm what an awful song. Just, just a waste. Oh, of time. Well, it's a waste too, of time. I'm, don't I'm be too saying. harsh here. <laughs> well, I, I really want to know what you think of Riptide. I love Riptide. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay I want to come go. back to Riptide. Okay, so you go, Matt. But I want to come back to Riptide in a second. 
Yeah. So I don't even know the history of Riptide. Uh, is that another one from the play? This is from fucking uh, Set from, the Twilight, from really. Twilight. And this is this is what I was saying on that episode is that the eight minute trudging endless version of Riptide there is real. It's a tough hang for me. But this version of Riptide, which is snappy and smooth and in and out in four minutes. This yeah. totally connects for me in a way that the studio cut does not. She's out of her mind. It's like a hurricane's rain. She doesn't stand a chance at this lunar dance retire. I was thinking of Van Gogh's last painting, the wheat fields and the crow. Is that perhaps what you, you've been feeling when you see the ground as you've fallen from the sky? As a plant disappears from beneath your feet, riptide, riptide, the cheese going out of her mind. I've never even heard the studio cut, but I quite enjoy this song, and um, it's you know it, it's got some uh, it builds and it, it's exciting at moments, and and it's a nice transition into uh, original rapper too, the way that it kind of like, <laughs> it is a very smooth right transition. I love yeah. like the idea of not knowing what this record is at all and hearing our uh, episode about it to learn and just hearing like you know Riptide uh, is a great transition into original rap. <laughs> There's going to be a big groundswell of appreciation for. Perfect night in london after this episode people are going to be talking about it big time buddy it was a perfect night it, it was, was a perfect per- yeah. night look at the title i would just like to clarify that the title of this record oh, is one of the bootleg, bootleg titles that we would make up exactly a perfect night in london <laughs> perfect night dot 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 in, in london. london yeah exactly i was i was waiting for you to say that I was sitting at home on the west end watching keep a TV with a TV friend. I'm watching the news and the world's in a mess. Poor and the hungry and the world distressed. Europe is ace, the middle is full of final. Better check your search for you put it in a waffle land. Why you had it? Check what's in the batter, make sure the candy's in. There's no rabbit head picture. Better check that batter, make sure the candy's in. There's no rabbit head picture. Better check the batter, make louder. And uh, the rapper. White against white and black against two, it seems like it's 1942. Amy sits in front of MTV while he's watching his violent fantasies. While his dad gives a beer with a favorite sport, then he finds a zero zero old coked up bench. Taste the original, same old story. Politics, I hate, and a new surrounding. Hate if it's good, hate if it's bad. Whoa, 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 don't make it mad. I'll keep yours, baby, I'll keep mine. There's nothing sacred, and nothing about it. About to hit me. We're going through the bottle. Take that sausage, and you put it in a waffle now. While you're at it, the Jokerman mindset is to embrace, especially like a mid-80s production uh, style, you know? So that being said, the 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 production on this live version of original rapper I much prefer to the 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 studio version. Um, I don't I don't know I may, I just I just like a more you know earthy kind of uh, four man band sound versus whatever whatever. What now? Which album that was on? Um, what's the name of that album? From Mistrial. Is the, Mistrial. Yeah, I had Mistrial yeah. on vinyl. I'm happy to report. Um, I still do have mistrial on vinyl. Do you guys have mistrial? Uh, I'm I'm behind the time. You got to catch up. 
It didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, one of my moves, I had to. I had so many crates of vinyl. I had to make some um, some choices, and mistrial did not make it. Into That's the an essential one. You got to keep that in there. <laughs> I'm so sorry to report, but um, I love like this again. You're in the audience, and you're just like, "What's he gonna do next?" Because you have no idea what he's gonna do next, based on what he's done prior to this moment in the show. There's no way of predicting what's coming next. And then it's original rapper, and you're just like, oh, my God. This yeah. is insane, and I love That's every true. second of it. Oh. Yeah, he starts playing it, and you still don't know what it is, but you're, like, tapping your toe. <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> look at that. Just look at that sequencing. Why do you talk from Riptide, Time Rockers yeah. into right. Riptide, the ninth song on Set the Twilight Reeling for 96, into the original rapper? That is yes. just, that's beauty. That's beauty. You cannot predict that whatsoever. Yeah. And he did, what, a, I mean, it's a lot of words that he's got to get in there, and he does a great job with all of them. Now, this is the uh, absolute uh, definitive version of original rapper. This oh. is like the case for him making the case for the song, really. It sounds great. I don't know yes. what this like. I love it. I think this is fundamentally good music. No irony, no fucking winking or, or like begging any sort of contrarianism here. Like this, this just yeah. sounds good to me. I don't know what to say. You, you, everything you guys just said is right. I, I would say more, but I'd just be repeating what you said. Like, wow, fun and, uh, and spectacular. And okay, what what's the history of the next song? Sex with your parents. Where, where'd that come from? That's also uh, the set the twilight reeling. That that was <laughs> that's so that's the album. That was like the new album prior to this. That was tour. his latest record. Yeah, it's one you should know, uh, Matt, because I I actually think you'll love it. It's it's like one of his, it's it's one of his best albums. I'll say it. It's a great nice. album. Yeah. By the time this episode hits, that uh, our conversation about set the twilight reeling will have. Uh, We'll have posted already. But yeah, Sex With Your Parents was, uh, a, was right there in the middle of that record and uh, kind of a lark of a song on that album, which otherwise is like very invested in emotional sincerity and straightforward, wide-eyed wonder at, at the beauty of life and love and, and romance. Uh, and Sex With Your Parents is right there in the middle and doesn't pick up on any of that shit whatsoever, um, but is uh, is a song that he was very fond of and in fact tried to uh pass off as one of the lead singles from that record just to piss people off it does fit right there with original rapper in terms of tone i think uh both those songs exist in a similar role on their respective records yes that's true and sex with your parents is is a song that's a, a political screed done in a in a way that is uh uh, fun for Lou Reed to perform <laughs> rather than being like <laughs> something like, uh, you know, heavy and, and weighty like uh, Straw Man. This is, this is the other side of that coin. Oh man, imagine him doing Straw Man on this, uh, on this record. That would be huge. It's like su- Union Sundown. <laughs> yeah. This is much of. better than Union Sundown. Yeah. This, this is, is definitely better than Union Sundown. 150 times better. Yeah. I think Bob I is way it. more like serious and like like tuned in to muted sundown than Lou is on Sex with Your Parents. He's just having fun. Sex with your parents. Sex with your parents. Sex with your parents. Sex with your parents. Go for Nana. Sex with your parents.
way he wraps this show up, it like, I mean, just counterpose the end of this set list with the beginning of it. It's fu- It's the heavy hitters to come out of the gate. I'll be your mirror, perfect day, the kids, vicious. And then, you know, you kind of go off. But and, and here at the end, like we're building up to the like the fucking fundamental, like, like, let's leave them wanting more. It's why do you talk into Riptide, into original rapper, into sex with your parents? That's that's a beautiful mind. That's a man who understands what he's doing up there on stage. That's Lou Reed. What do they say in the negative review on allmusic.com? Um, it's difficult to say just what uh, a diamond is supposed to sound like. But it's true that Lou's guitar sounds quite good on this set. Uh, You've got to wonder about the choice of material on Perfect Night. If Reed really intended this to be an overview of the breadth of his career, he wasn't doing himself any favors by throwing in vicious original rapper or sex with your parents. What do you mean by throwing in vicious? While kicks and riptide aren't especially well served by stripping them of their electric guitars. There are enough good tracks here to indicate that Reed might have had a good acoustic album in him, but before he tries something like Perfect Night again, he ought to at least sit down with some friends who can edit a better set list for him. Get out of here, you jerk. Go to hell. Fuck off. Who said this had to be a career retrospective? It's not called career retrospective uh, night. It's called perfect night. Perfect night, exactly. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's perfect because it's what Lou Reed wanted to play that night. And I think it's a, a bit of a re, re, reclaiming some of the, like, like you said earlier, reclaiming some of these songs. You know, especially these mid-80s ones like New Sensations and Original Rapper. Just put them on stage. Give them the, yeah. Keep giving them to people because fucking Original Rapper or even Sex With Your Parents were pretty much like universally disliked upon their really like like thought of as like jokes or or you know failed attempts at whatever and he's still like no i stand behind this shit yeah all these years later and i'm still gonna keep giving it to you in this totally different context it's admirable you know there's nothing to say you know but besides it's it's uh it's admirable and, and incredible to see well, it's part of Jokerman mindset to also be supportive of the choices in a set list of an artist. Like when I saw John Cale, there were songs I wish I could have heard, but it didn't even occur to me till later like that I missed out on anything. Uh, and I, that wouldn't be, that's just not how I think about it. I just want to see him again. Sure. Or the Bob shows. Bob is playing night after night after night. He's playing the same fucking set, the, all of the rough and rowdy material. And, but you still, you keep going to see what, you know, what he's doing this night as opposed to last night or the next. Like it's, it's not about like, you know, drafting your fantasy set list or whatever and him checking all the boxes for you. It's just like seeing where this person is on any given night at any given moment and how you you know, kind of intersect. Play ski patrol. <laughs> ski ski patrol. patrol, exactly. It's a thought I've had a lot lately, which is like, when I see certain criticisms, this being a perfect uh, opportunity to bring it up, is like, you wonder what people think when it's like, you know, you could have been watching nothing. You know that there's a difference between something and nothing, and what you're being given is absolutely not nothing. It's Lou Reed on a stage performing songs for you. There could just be silence. Yeah, and, and, and you know that that kind of line of thought, I think, could ultimately. I agree with you. It could ultimately kind of excuse you know some lesser sort of performances <laughs> or decisions or whatever. But that's absolutely not not what the case this with is. Lou Reed. Good faith it's reading of what, what I said. It's like we're yeah, talking no. about someone who has like a rich history, a deep pers- uh, uh, ability to pre- as a performer, and y- to be able to see another side of it is 
is what you're getting. Absolutely. And his desire to, to present the original rapper and sex with their parents on stage at this moment in time in 1997, you know, some of his most loathed material in his, in his career alongside the fucking kids and, and, and vicious and perfect day. This is beautiful. This is, I love it. I like to imagine the band looking at the set list and saying, uh, he put sex with your parents on it again. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we're, we're doing that one again. He's just, he's not going to stop until people recognize that it's great. And, uh, all right, here we go. And then it ends on Dirty Boulevard. Come on. Who's going to be upset going out, walking out on Dirty Boulevard? Yeah, Dirty Boulevard. I mean, come on. I, I'm, I'm mad that, I'm mad that it wasn't the closer of the set. He, go, he comes back out and does Sweet Jane. Get out of here. Dirty yeah. Boulevard was the right way to end, end that set, Lou. And the way it ends, too, once again, there's a lot, just a lot of these songs that just work their way up into a total frenzy. And it's just like, yeah, oh my God, this is so intense. I love it. This is the definitive version, by the way. I well, but so that I was gonna say, like, so much of this record is defined by you know pretty radically reinterpreted, you know, fucked with versions of of classic blues songs. This Dirty Boulevard, pretty straightforward. Like, sounds pretty damn similar to the way it sounds on New York. Uh, and, and you know, it's a different set of players behind him. I guess Rathke is is here, and he was on the the original record also. But uh, Fernando and Tony are coming to this new. Um, but it doesn't sound nearly as reworked or fucked with or reinterpreted as a lot of the other material on here. And, uh, and I, for my money on, you know, on that note, I think it's like a, that was a real sweet spot for him that he arrived at on New York in 1989. And uh, I don't think there's any coincidence that this record ends up like, if you're going to compare the way songs on this record sound to their studio versions, like, Dirty Boulevard is, is as close to a match, right? an overlap of those circles on the Venn diagram as you get. Those ringy drums, uh, like the, the kind of the sound of it, too, is it's so... Um, it has something in common with the way that New York sounds. Like yeah, naturalistic. It's, it's natural, absolutely. But it's muscular at the same time. And, and, it's not, and you know, it's not just stripped down MTV unplugged kind of shit. Like, this is still a rock show, an electric rock show. Um, and... Uh, and it's, uh, I, I can't ask for anything else. Three stars. Are you kidding me? Three stars. Beautiful. What do you give it, Ian? Three stars. Come on. I also give it three stars just because, like, this is on one of those principles. times. Yeah, on, it's, come on. It's, it's, yeah. Sometimes you just got to correct the record. It feels just an album that's put out and almost immediately forgotten about, it feels. Yes. You know? <laughs> like, no one was talking about Perfect Night in London uh, then, and nor has anyone talked about it since then. Ever until, since. It was, it was just Matt today. Farley and Mike Russo. My good yeah, old Mike you guys Russo. are holding it down. <laughs> Me and Mike and I would be like, why is no one talking about Perfect Night in London? I just don't understand. It's so good. Uh, let me just also point out, Mike Russo, when I graduated, he and Susan, the secretary, they, they got me the Dylan's Bootleg Series, Volume 1 through 3, as a graduation wow. gift. Yeah. Uh, it was great. This is, now, honestly, seriously, shout out to Mike Russo in heaven. Yeah. You, you have done the world <laughs> a justice yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and are sort of like Matt Farley's guardian angel, <laughs> it sounds like. Guardian angel. Can we talk about the Coney Island baby? I'd like to hand that out to uh, Coney Island Absolutely. baby. Who's your, is, who's your Coney Island baby? 
is the best performer of the night. It's going to the drummer. I don't even know. It's Tony Thunder uh, some... Tony, right. Because <laughs> he says, hey, Tony, let me know you're there, big guy. And then it's right, like... Right, right, right. Boop, boop. Just everything the drums are doing... For the, Smith. For Tony Smith. Tony Thunder Smith. Tony Thunder Smith is just like... He is... <laughs> and I don't usually even pay attention to the, drum, to the drums, but like, go through the album again, everybody, and just focus on the drumming. There's a lot going on there, and it, it's, it's fun, and it's lively, and it's that driving, it's that driving, leaning forward uh, uh, rhythm that, that pushes this whole gosh darn album into three-star territory. I have to agree. I think that it's such a sensitive performance. Unlike so many performances where the drums are pummeling on a live show, this is like easing in. Every time he comes up, it feels like it's the the almost so natural you don't notice when it happens and then suddenly there's drums in the song he does pummel yeah. from time to time there is some yeah, pummeling well, he, there's a time for pummeling and a time for not pummeling <laughs> uh sure tony thundersmith you are the coney island baby i'll give a shout triple out to crown here also yeah he's a triple crown winner is that a thing I, uh, it is now it is now absolutely <laughs> he's got the triple crown we're recording the next never-ending stories in a couple days, so we'll we'll introduce the concept of the triple, <laughs> the triple crown. crown. What happens then? The early Roman king gets a triple three crown. Three kings. Three kings. Three, ki- three I kings. I like that. Three kings. That's what three. it is. It's a three kings yeah. crown. Yeah, that's big. Uh, <laughs> man. Well, uh, three stars, three kings, perfect night in London. Uh, one one thing I made a movie called Heard She Got Married, which is a, a touching and 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 sincere and dark uh, look into failure as an artist. And I made a sequel to it called Heard She Got Heard Murdered. Heard She Got Murdered. The secrets. The secret sequel. Secret sequel, which we debuted. We didn't even tell people what it was until they sat down and we hit the play button. And Everyone it thought very- it was going to be River Beast too, and it turned out to be Heard I She know. Got Murdered. Mm. No one was expecting her. She got murdered and <laughs> no one was expecting what we would do with our most serious contemplative uh, movie. And so I'm very proud of the fact that we we made a sequel to that and it's completely bonkers. And so it's on Blu-ray from Gold Ninja Video. I demand that you get it. And the, the original is also on the Blu-ray. So you can do a, a one two punch. Gold Ninja Video uh, is actually uh, the video c- corporation of uh, friends of the podcast, uh, Will Sloan and Justin DeClue, uh, by extension. Uh, it's more Justin's thing, I guess, but it's, it's the important cinema club uh, movie company. It's all one beautiful big family. They do for movies what you guys do for music, sort of, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, telling you why uh, uh, some forgotten Ed Wood movie is actually really good. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's the way that the way that Sex with Your Parents from 1997 live is actually really good. Yeah. We've totally lost our minds. I love it. Uh, well, is this know. a Patreon episode or not? I don't know. We'll find out. It's we- <laughs> wow. We it's the one time I've asked Ian that, and he doesn't even know. We, well, I mean, we're resetting our uh, our release cadence, so it depends on how some other episodes shake out. We'll uh, we'll we'll see. Well, anyway, subscribe to the Patreon. 
That's right. Uh, Jokerman on Patreon, Neverending Stories on Patreon. And uh, subscribe to, you know, Moturn, uh, the Moturn Method. Uh, you know, get the Moturn the Method life, book. You get the book, but also just subscribe to the Moturn Method uh, in, in your life on a, on a daily basis. In your soul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jokerman. And fly away. I wanna fly, fly away. I wanna fly from this dirty boulevard. Fly, fly. I wanna get out of here. Get out of here. Can I just get a few things off? Please. A few things off my chest? Fire away. <laughs> um, okay, time out of mind. I'm, it's the original <laughs> mix. No questions. They're just wow. 100%. All Danny, of them. Danny Even Van Dirt Wah. Road Blues. I would like to also say, uh, I'd like to reiterate that um, if it was just the bluesy songs on Time Out of Mind, it would be an even better album. And by that, I mean, you go Dirt Road Blues, uh, Love Sick. Million miles. Uh, standing in the doorway, million miles. Um, you cut out trying to get to Wait, heaven. Wait, did you say you cut out, standing? You said no, cut doorways out in there. The door- doorways okay, in there. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. and it's a li- it's a little less it's a little less bluesy, but it's staying. But you cut. We know out, you're not um, a fan of not dark yet. Not dark yeah, yet. Yeah, you don't like belong- not dark yet. <laughs> stinks. It's so it's, it's just like <laughs> obvious. And and trying to get to heaven. Get out. I've been all around the world, boys, but I'm trying to get to heaven. Like, shut up, Bob. What are you talking about? This is... Wow. <laughs> I know. I know. And I know that I like a clunky um, refrain, like Busload of Faith, but You like Busload of Faith or Shot of Love, but trying to get to heaven, that doesn't, that doesn't pass before, the Matt they, they, Before test. they close the door, it's like, what are you talking... What, what? Is that a thing? Are they closing the door? Is there a time limit on, on heaven's door being open? He um, said it earlier, 1973. He's knocking on Heaven's door. Now it's about to get close on him yeah, in 1997. No sequels. Let's, Bob. Let's have a, a strict no sequels uh, uh, rule for, from now on. Um, wow. What else? Oh, uh, too late is is an incredible song. <laughs> the studio version of too late. Yeah, yeah. Just the, like the, the original ver- regular version. 
the good one on Springtime in New York, whatever the like the main Too Late is on that one. Oh, right? Too Late. I'm sorry. I was thinking Can't Wait. Okay. Yes, I quickly, I'm with you on Too Late. <laughs> I quickly, I'm change. I'm jumping from decades here, but uh, you were thinking of the the song from uh, I, um, Time Out of Mind. I'm, I'm, I was thinking Can't Wait. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Time Mind. But yes, I'm with you on Too Late. Too Late. Amazing. All timer. One of the greats. Yeah. Just want to just hats off to that. Um, Billy Joel from like 77 to 83. <laughs> Here we go. Incredible. Like it just I, a really good run. I just want to yeah. hats off to Billy for the that. The Stranger? Yeah, from the, like stranger the Stranger until um, Innocent Glass Man. Yeah. yeah. Glass Houses. An innocent Man. Yeah. Look, Innocent Man's a bit of a step down, but it's still, it's a step down from Superb, which is still pretty darn good. Then with the bridge, he kind of it's it's getting a little too breezy, but he had a great run in there, and um mm-hmm. and people need to give Billy the respect that he deserves. So we got that off my chest. Also, just in general, the replacements, great band, Paul oh, Westerberg yes, solo absolutely. work, also Come on. superb, yeah, yeah, superb stuff. Uh, he's got an album called I believe Mono. Like he came out with Mono and Stereo in around '01. Really good one-two punch right there. I got to do some Westerberg solo shit. Much like Tom Waits when he put out um, Alice and the other one. Um, so, oh, and also, I, last thing, Joan, I've, I've pushed a little deeper with Joni, and I like Hegera, his, his whatever, whatever that one's called. Yeah. And Joni and Neil Young, whatever your point was, like, enough already. I don't want to have to get a different <laughs> subscription just to hear your songs. Oh, like, that I, wh- wh- whose point? Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, get back on Spotify for me, please. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. They, at, they uh, absconded from uh, that streaming service. Like, they're, they're also on Amazon. They're on Amazon. They're on YouTube. They're on Apple. It's like, I'm sure there's objectionable material on those services, too, if you look deep enough. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and, you know, we know those are good companies and that they, they do good oh, things. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, give, give Spotify a chance to, like, show you that they can be just as good as Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also, hats off for sticking to your guns. I give you credit, but there's just I want to hear a case of you, and I, I gotta like, I, it's harder to do now. 